Welcome to Our Certain Point of View, where your hosts, Jim and Tim, will bring you new weekly discussions about the Star Wars universe. Our Certain Point of View is a fan-based podcast and has no connections with Disney, Lucasfilm, or any of their subsidiaries. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a special early edition of Our Certain Point of View. I'm Jim. Hello there. I'm Tim. And I'm Papa Bear. Tim is really sick. Say Tim's stuff, really Tim. sick. Hi, everybody. So, I <laughs> am positive funny. for flu. I am laying in my bed with my podcast microphone beside me. And That's what I'm doing. You will hear me sometimes. Um, sometimes I'll fade out. And there's a chance that partway through I'll just fall asleep. But yes. I will do my best. I, mean, oh. I wanted to be here still for everybody. Heck yeah, because this, <clears throat> this is a big one. This is the season. We're going to be recapping the season finale of Andor. Episode 12 of Andor. Episode 122 of our certain point of view. Today is November 23rd. Which means here in the United States, we're one day before Thanksgiving. It's a Wednesday. The weather outside is beautiful. However, Tim keeps experiencing chills followed by sweating. Sounds like flu to me. Yeah. But I've been recording from the bed for like the last three weeks, I guess, because, you know, the whole still waiting on surgery thing going on. (sighs) You know, America gets a lot of grief because we don't have the universal health care thing. And people are like, you know, America's the richest country on earth. How come it doesn't have universal health care? <clears throat> the reason why is usually in America, care is provided faster than it is other places. So, like, for example, if you want to need to see an oncologist in, in the United States, average wait time is around two weeks. Same thing in Canada. Average wait time is three months. So this is why we're like, okay, we're willing to pay some money to, you know, have this... But I've been waiting for three weeks to get needed surgery, Tim. Yeah, it's important. I didn't I'm have rambling. quite the same thing. Everybody in the area is experiencing flu is just all over the place right now. And I called I know. two days ago to get an appointment. And I was on the phone and she goes, oh, I got one at this time. And it's the only one left in all of our locations. And she's typing my stuff. Nope. And she goes, and someone booked it before I could lock it in. And I was like, what? And so I got one for the next day, and I waited for an hour to get in. And they were like, do you want a COVID test? Do you want this to be checked? And I said, no. I said, this is a very simple thing. My four-year-old was diagnosed with flu five days ago. And three days into it, he did a really good job of, like, just playing in his room, hanging out. Like, he had a great couple of days. And then on the third day, he woke up in the morning, came to his door, and just broke down in tears and we were like hey buddy buddy. what's going on and he goes i just want someone to come sit with me and i said well and you did it you felt sounds like a job for dad so i went in there and i held him for a while and And i told the doctor i said no you don't need to test anything else i said the flu will come back positive this is what it is because you know meanwhile there's no question so yeah you know uh well, is it about Papa Bear? No, no, it was about Star Wars. So we can talk about um, Papa Bear first. Papa Bear had a birthday. Happy late birthday, Papa Bear. Thank Yay, you. Yay, happy birthday, Uncle Harlow. Yeah. I did it. I did it. What? Yeah, you did. I, I What's your it. Star Wars news, Tim? Um, well, you'll like this a lot. 
Yes. I'm going to just read the headline of the article. Well, yes. you'll like the idea of this. I'm sure the price of it is going to be insane, but they look beautiful. Uh, it says, Ahsoka Tano fans huh. will find Columbia's new Star Wars The Clone Wars winter wear hard to resist. Oh. Uh, the new collection oh. <laughs> also includes gear worn by Obi-Wan and Anakin in the animated series. I do like that. Because so, the... Obi-Wan armor slash robes and Clone Wars, I think, is the coolest outfit in all of Star Wars. Well, if you I look do. this up, I mean, it's it's really just the... It's... I mean, they're Columbia winter jackets, but they've got, like, the Jedi wow. symbols, or... Wow. Ahsoka's is actually really cool looking, like, her actual... I'd have to check that out for my daughter for Christmas. Yeah, you're gonna have to check it out, because it's... It's really, yeah. really, really cool. Any other Star Wars there's some, news? What? Apparently there's more? some... Well, that's old. That's old. Oh. I had other I news. Apparently they uh, announced a movie, but I lost track of that, and I can't find it. Um, I've been really sick for a couple of days. I've been having trouble yeah. keeping track of things. Yeah, yeah. I did vent on Twitter today, because... I'm just going to share this information. Um, so first of all, of course, if you're listening to this episode, we're here to talk about Andor, the season finale. And um, my alarm went off this morning, so I get up and you know watch the show. And because I was, I've been trying to have a bigger presence on Twitter. I'm trying to push our our account back out. Um, that was the last thing open on my phone. So as soon as I turned my alarm off, Twitter popped up, and there was a there was a post on there, um, and I've got the guy's name in our uh, blocked. He's I blocked whoever posted it immediately, um, but posted that you know Marva's speech was you know some of the best writing in Star Wars that we've gotten. Blah 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 blah. Had a picture of her hologram up and like you know that was a pretty big uh, spoiler. Spoiler that was just right there. Um, yeah. You know, I put it, I, I hit, I read it. I mean, at that point, I'd already seen it. Like, there was no way to not see it. I blocked the account, um, turned my phone off immediately, watched the episode. Opened Twitter back up, just to say, hey, this has been great. And it was just, it was just spoiler after spoiler after spoiler today. I was really, really surprised at the, at the number of things that were posted between five and six this morning. Um, I was a little upset about that. There were yeah. some others. A lot of the podcasters have like, hey, give your spoiler-free you know, opinion. Hey, tell us what you thought. Hey, you know, like the podcasters had it. But like some of the others, I was like, all right, that's. I, yeah, I watched it at 3.45 a.m. So I I think I beat all the uh, spoilers. Um, <laughs> what you was, say? I thought it was you spoiling it. Because no. it, it, was, it, was it was another one with a similar name to this show. Yeah. Is that is that what it was? I don't know. I don't know. Tim sent me a screenshot, but I so I woke up at like three forty-five just because that's when I wake up. I watched the show because I was awake, and then I immediately like I think I texted Jill or sent Jill something, and nothing spoiler. But I I passed out until like noon when I saw mm-hmm. Yell's message like, "Hey, when when are we recording?" I was like, "Oh yeah, I passed out." Which is unusual for me. I hadn't been able to sleep lately. So, all right. So that brings us to where we are today. So we, yeah. Um, and you should know, if you're listening to this show, we are about to, you know, 
go into great detail about the uh, the season finale of Andor. So this is going to be all spoilers. We're going to talk about it, talk about what it means, and all that happy stuff. And um, yeah, yay, yeah. All right. Um, did you know? You know what the answer to uh, life, the universe, and everything is? So I can't remember. It's like forty-nine or something like that. A little lower. Thirty-nine. Forty-two. Thirty-seven. Line up. What was the number again? Forty-two. Forty-two. That's how many days what? we are from Wednesday, January fourth, in the new yes. year, and that'll be Bad Batch season two. Yes. So we're in countdowns. What else you got? Yeah, the next one is Mandalorian Season 3. It's is a Disney Plus, of course, Disney Plus series um, that we all know and love. Wednesday, February 22nd, and that is 91 days away. Nice. Um, and like I said, there really was some other news that came out, and I'm sorry, I lost track of it. I tried to look back at some old notes and things that I had, but... Well, as we do the uh, the recap, there's a few things we were going to talk about, like the fact that there won't be any more Andor for two years. That's the only part about this episode I hated. Is that uh, I don't get it again. I think that's what they're saying. Um, But yeah, so if we can think of anything else, uh, this is going to be a very disjointed podcast today because, well, you got sick people, you got broken people, you got Papa Bear. None Mm. of those work well. Um, I'm working well. (laughs) I'm working well today, so it's going to be. Oh, I'm so excited because one of the biggest mysteries of the show was finally answered. Which is to say why they changed the music at the beginning of every episode and we got the answer this episode. We got I and I've I've come to a conclusion that I think uh I'm gonna talk y'all into. And now that I've it's a it's a big secret, big reveal coming up. Jim's Jim's theories, and once I reveal it, I think it's inarguable. But we'll see. All right, for now it's time to take it over to, you know, our sponsor, and we'll be right back. With a Yay. breakdown of Andor Episode 12, Rick's Road. Hey, this is Gordon from the Riff Radio Show Podcast, a radio show dedicated to the music of Generation X. We release a new show every Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, and we play music from the 70s, 80s, and 90s, and we take your requests. And unlike the old days when you had to wait forever to get your request on your favorite radio show, I always put your request on our Saturday morning all-request episode. All you have to do is click the link in the show notes of any episode and request a song. The Riff is only available on Spotify, so head on over today and subscribe. The Riff, only on Spotify. All right, that was Gordon with The Riff, and uh, now we are actually recording. This is Tim, not knowing if we're recording, because Jim keeps on with his nonsense. I told you I wasn't recording. Um, Yeah, we got a lot of stuff going on. You might get muted. It happens. It it happened to Papa Bear last week. All right. Uh, and All right, what are we great. doing? Final. All right, so we're going to... Are, are y'all ready to launch it? To our review of the final episode of... Why is someone eating hard candies or something? It's, I hear crackly papers. Is it, is it your halls? I got a Weathers original in my pocket. I'm not in the hall, I'm in a room. And or episode 12 called Rick's Road, which Rick's I guess Road. is a shortening of the term Ferrex Road. Um... We found out the mystery of the music, guys. 
Yeah. Why uh, each episode has a different kind of, you know, when it does the Andor sign, the, the music is a little bit different each time. Yeah. Did y'all catch this? Yes, this was by the Emmett Otter Jug Band. The Emmett Otter Jug Band, which I don't remember why I know that reference. That was a, like a animatronic show or something about animals that play music or something? They were but mainly the, otters, I believe. Um, well... That would make sense, you know. No, do y'all know where the music for, uh, why the music has been changing each episode? What it finally turned into? Uh, funeral dirge? Yeah, how cool is that? Yeah. Yeah, well, when you sad, combine... Really sad. It is, but man, the, the, the forethought is just beautiful in Andor. So, once again, the writing continues to be amazing. The, uh, the screen uh, staging, or the, the, the shot staging is, is amazing. The storytelling, the acting, everything. So, they do, I think, a great job. That, so, I guess I'm throwing my opinions out there first. Um, I thought this was an outstanding episode, like everyone has been. It's not, it's not my favorite one, but, I mean, honestly, when they're all, like, 10 out of 10 stars, it's hard to pick. Um, I do... I am very, very sad that we have to wait uh, approximately two years for the next episode. That's a long um, wait. That's a long that time. That is. I, I mean, that's going to be. And that's like a pandemic, isn't it? Uh, at least. Yeah. Seems that yeah. So, what do y'all think? <clears throat> your your initial thoughts. Well, I I love the episode. I love the closing. Um, it it wrapped up, I think, in a really good place to to push the story forward. Yep. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, technically, if they ended the story, you know, if something crazy happens with with Star Wars, oh, I think Bob Iger's back. He is. That, that might have been one news. of the news pieces. That, There's some that's news. big news. Um, yeah. Anyway, um, so if something crazy happens and they don't come up with a second season, it would be a bummer. But we're not left completely in the you know there's stuff that we don't know but we do know where he ends up like at least we have because of rogue one yeah. we know where Andor yeah. goes so it's we have his ending <clears throat> so the uh so like we said in the first part of the show which was over an hour we ago didn't hear plus. how popular thinks oh yeah i, I love yeah. the show i love this season this was a great season and this episode summed it up very well yeah um yeah sounds like we're all on the same page and then you um, said the, something um, that I want to talk about at the very end of this ep- if this show. So if you guys try to remind me, because I will forget by then. You said this is not your favorite episode, and I would like to have, um, I'd like to bring that conversation up right at the end. Well, if we think about it. Yeah, um, there's no way I'm going to be able to pick out a favorite. I mean, honestly, well, we can talk about. Well, it that's later. not what I mean. Um, that's not even what I mean. Yeah. So we'll um, we'll get to it. So. Yeah. So, like we mentioned for us over an hour ago, um, this is a spoiler-filled thing, and I do want to talk to uh, talk about something that happens at the very end, which is to say there is an end credit scene. I didn't know this until Tim texted and said, "Hey, did you see the end yeah. credit scene?" And I was like, "What?" So is went it, back. Is this the first for Star Wars end so credit you... scenes. I feel like it is. So if you didn't see I that, like it. go <laughs> check it out. Yeah. Before listening further. The first thing Bob Iger did was he started adding end credits to scenes to Star Wars. Well, I approve. <laughs> I approve. Yeah. Um, so the end credit scene, and one of the reasons I want to bring it up now is because, let's launch into the episode. What's the first scene we see? Uh, are y'all ready? 
Yeah, we see yeah. a Actually do scene by scene. Yeah, we see, I, I can't remember this kid's name, but his dad is Pack, P-A-A-K, the guy who was tortured to death and then hanged by the uh, Empire. Mm. <coughs> um, so this is that kid. His Yeah, so we've seen him in multiple the, episodes. The axe forgets, is that what it is? Yeah, the axe killed his dad, and now the trees are like, what? The tree remembers. Um, but I want to book in this, because this starts with, he, he's he's working on a science project, like I said, and y'all, I assume y'all knew right away what type of yeah, thing he's doing here, Absolutely. Right? Yeah, he's, he's, he's building a bomb. Um This book ends so well with the after, what, what, what are they building in the end credit scene? The after They're credit building scene, the laser yeah. cannon for the Death Star. It's so how cool is this? Saber in space. So the, <clears throat> this episode begins showing a rebel building a weapon, and ends uh-huh. showing the Empire building a weapon. And that again, the the book ending, the writing, the juxtaposition, it's so crazy. So it starts with a kid making this homemade improvised device, you know, yeah. and he's the face of the rebellion. And then it ends with the Empire with this gigantic, you know, construction project in outer space using droids, you know, non-human aspect of the Empire building this planet-destroying device. It's just, again, Andor just writes so well. And while we're at it, because this was a beautiful scene. Yeah. The ending one. Yeah. It was it was just gorgeous to look at. Like it's gonna be, the... it's gonna be phone. No, I mean like the big, the big picture with the with the pieces all not yet assembled but sitting oh, there. Yeah. Yeah. I think yeah, that's gonna become the... like desktop backgrounds and cell phone backgrounds and like. It, it kind of cool reminded though. me when they build lightsabers with the force and they're all like lining up and coming together. Speaking yeah. of which. Yeah. I want to, before we even go into the recap of uh, this episode any further, I want to go ahead and throw out there what, I'm, I'm going to say it, you ready? Luthen is a Jedi. I thought so too. I felt it. I felt I'm it. I'm convinced like, now. He was conflicted. He was He was so conflicted I understood what to do. Oh, he's, he's a fallen he was Jedi. Flash, he was having flashbacks. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I started thinking about this more and more because remember when we covered his speech about I've forgone calm was the first thing he said he got rid of, and yeah. I and I and I'm like that's Qui Gon. Remember when Qui Gon's fighting Maul when he has that one moment to stop he he sits and he, he starts to meditate. I'm like he's describing the Jedi lifestyle when he said everything he gave up. Yeah. Um, and then he talks about the and I, I even said when we covered it I was like I wish Anakin had given this speech at the end of Revenge of the Sith, because this sounds more like the fall of a Jedi. And then it occurred to me, what does he give uh, Andor in the very first episode as kind of his payment? Do you remember? He said, hold this, but I want it back. It was like Sky Kyber or something, isn't it? It was a Kyber crystal. It was a blue Kyber crystal, and I bet that's from his uh, lightsaber. But it Uh, it was some kind of weird, he did call it Sky Kyber, that there was something different about it. Yeah. I'm telling you, man. No, that's that's a lightsaber kyber it, it, crystal. It, it Go back Skeen. and look at it. Skeen's called it like sky kyber or something like that. So they when don't know exactly it. what it is, and maybe he's not going to say exactly what it is. But we know it's a type of kyber crystal. We know it's blue. It's a Kuwaiti um, signet. He. Uh, so I'm convinced that he's a former Jedi of some sort. Either he quit mm-hmm. the order, like Count Dooku style. Or he was a hermit Jedi, which we see <coughs> off and on in like comic books and books. 
Um, yeah. But I do think that he was somehow unassociated with the Jedi Order when 66 happened. I also think so it's I'm why not... he's... I, I'm, I'm just sold on this, that, that Luthen is a Jedi. I think I'm he's cut fully... himself off from the Force. <sighs> that, yeah. That, the, yeah, I think he's cut himself off from the Force. I think it's also why he has some, like, uh, in his workshop, why he has a holocron and a Sith uh, holocron, like a Jedi and Sith holocron. I think this is all part of him disguising his Force abilities, uh, either masking them with these devices or, like I said, he's cut himself off from the Force. But either way, he's showing all the signs of a, of a fallen Jedi, like, he's got that, that anger and that grief and that loneliness that Jedi experience when they are cut off from the Force. Um, I, I'm convinced. That's, 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 that's me. I'm standing by it. I'm putting it out there. I don't even see any other way around it at this point. He so, was a Jedi. I'm I not said, fully against the idea, Pop but I'm also, I'm also not convinced right now. It's I, was, I was with you before I was with you. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Papa Bear. No, I, uh, right, so. I'm not quite convinced on that yet. There's There are some pieces. And one of the big things, um, honestly, comes from a meta point of view for me. Uh-huh. Um, they are trying really hard to make a strong um, Star Wars show without Jedi and Sith. Um, Maybe. What it feels like. But I also don't think that they can, like, especially a guy at Luthen's age, he's old enough to remember the Jedi. So, like, it would actually be a little bit too much if there's no mention of the Jedi or no thoughts of who the Jedi were at this point in the Rebellion. Um, yeah. I mean, so much Like I said, I'm, later, not, I'm not fully against it, but I am, I am not currently convinced the way that you are. Yeah, but you have also thought that they were building parts for... Imperial probe droids. When I was telling you, it was they were building the laser for the Death Star. Look, I'm going to stand by my original statement and say that they are mass-producing modules which go into everything. No, they they showed it that those the modules were being used to build the laser for the Death Star. <clears throat> I'm just saying you could use that module on another. I mean, articulating arms. That's all it is. Well, so, then I mean, why would it be so droid. secret? Then they could have well, built it at any factory in the galaxy, well, and nobody could have asked questions. We don't know what they're building at the other other uh, prisons out there. These are specific to the to the Death Star laser system. I'm telling you, that's why the well, secrecy. Yeah. Oh, heated oh, debate on our certain point of view. And that reminds me. Not I don't really, know if this yeah. came up or not. <laughs> I've got to think about what what show this was. All right, so this was either Empire it was Radio, the Emmett Otter, or. No. Um, or force <laughs> material when they were talking about. So we questioned and were wondering about um, the human cells, like the fact that there were no aliens in the show, especially when we got to the prisons. Yeah. And the assumption, one of those shows, and I apologize to both those podcasts because I don't remember which one it was. It was it was a while ago now that I listened to it, but they said, I feel like it was force material, but they said um, it would make sense to just house humans at this jail cell. And build different yeah. confines for different species that that fit their specific requirements to keep them alive. Yeah. Um, whether it's size of bed or type of food or like whatever the case may be. Well, they also um, want them to be able to communicate to build their parts. Right. So they they have they do have them, but the reason we don't see the aliens here is that it is a human prison, and there are likely prisons for different species 
either somewhere else on the planet or elsewhere entirely. So I thought that was uh, yeah. a good thought by one of those. Yeah. Good thought. All right. Um, so I totally diverted us. Are you all ready to get back into the recap? We saw the kid uh, building the uh, Oh, are we talking about this episode ex- today? <laughs> improvised explosive device, an IED. Um, and then we immediately switched to a Lambda-class shuttle. Very, very uh, ominous. Landing on what I guess is the planet uh, Ferrex, huh? Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. And this was such a cool scene because, uh, I mean, I, I don't know about y'all, but I thought it was very, very clearly supposed to make you think of Rogue One, the opening scene in that movie. Um, Deidre comes off with their ISB, you know, whites on, uniform on, followed by two death troopers. Yeah, looking like um, Krennic. Yeah, very, very reminiscent. <clears throat> and she heads to the hotel slash headquarters of, uh, of the Imperial Presence on Ferrix. Uh, we see Bix in her cell. Bix is not doing well, guys. No, she said. Yeah. They're watching her with the cameras, which a lot of people have pointed out. Are again, we pointed it out the first time they showed them. It's the same camera system they used on the Death Star in the New Hope. So that was, you know, cool little thing. Um, and it's uh, it's Deidre looking at Bix. I like Deidre's character is so good because the uh, when whoever the guy is who's in charge, you know, in the black uniform. He comes down there, he sees Deidre, would you like to get something to eat? And she's like, nope, I'm going to go out and I'm going to walk around. Um, and they offer an escort. Um, and, yeah, that was the last thing we covered. Hi, everyone. We did something weird. We uh, yeah. This is our yeah. fourth day podcasting of this, sort of. So okay. we, uh, I know this is disjointed because we are just saying that we saw Bix in her cell and she doesn't look good. Um, but for us... Three days have passed, so we started this recording on Wednesday, the day it premiered, but today is Saturday, the 26th of November, and we're going to continue our coverage, and I'm a little sad because I went through that whole spiel about uh, how I'm like, yeah, Luthen's definitely a Jedi, Luthen's a former Jedi, he's like a, down, a Count Dooku type who walked away, and then like, we had to stop recording, and then like an hour or so later, I got a, I got a message from, from Michael, and he said... Man, Luthen's a Jedi. I'm like, I just said that. Yeah. Yes. Um, so I've got one thing Which, to add. Which, by the way, confirms it. Go ahead. Oh, that, yeah, of course, that's that's confirmation. I'm still confirmation. not <clears throat> Um, But I've got one thing to add to our, uh, to our Saturday uh, recording here, because it's Saturday, November 26th. Um, so just so everybody's aware, we are 39 days away from Bad Batch Season 2 and 88 days away from Mandalorian season three. Yeah. If, so if that Captain happens Hunt. when it's supposed to, that 88, I'm, I'm questioning that more and more. Every time we talk about the Mandalorian season three, I question it. But anyway, that's the closest information we've got. We're definitely 39 Yay. from bad batch. So, yeah. All right. <clears throat> so like I said, we, uh, yeah. So the Bix looks rough. Now we switch scenes again and we're back to the kid whose name I don't know, but whose dad was Pac, who was the guy who was tortured to death uh, right before Bix was brought in. And he is, of course, still working on his improvised explosive device. Anything about this scene? I mean, it's, it's kind of cool. He's got, you know, he's got the holograph picture of his dad, and it's 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 very touching. But yeah, I think that was the that, biggest part, was just that we kind of find out, we sort of find out who he is there. Yeah. You know? In case we didn't notice him before, so then we switch to a, it's a street view of uh, 
of, of Ferrix, and I wish I could remember this guy. His name is Zan Juan, actually. Um, Zan Juan and Brasso seem to be uh, Cassian's, you know, other than Bix, like his best friends on uh, Ferrix. And if you don't remember who Zan Juan was, he was the one early on in the series who, when Cassian first needed to get off the planet, he's like, how much to get off the planet tonight? No questions asked. And the guy was like, well, that's going to be expensive. So that's Zan Juan. And while that seems yeah. very business transactional, it turns out that these guys do, you know, they do have a, a friendship that's pretty strong, as we're going to find out. Um, and of course, we knew Brassa was his buddy right away because he was the one who uh, who instantly came up with an alibi for uh, for. Cassian about the whole murders that started this whole thing. Was it murder if it's self-defense? Because I feel like he was just defending himself. Well, he did kind of cold-bloodedly shoot the last guard. Just that yeah, the murder. first one was uh, accident. Well, the first one, yeah, I mean, wasn't intentional at all. That guy just—he really had a bad fall from yeah, he from just what fell they were down and killed himself. But the uh, the other guy was. Now, and to be fair, the other guy, if he had gone with him, would have had him killed. Yeah. His his whole, oh, yeah, you can just go with, you know, we'll we'll say it was an accident. We'll say he slipped. We'll go in this together. He's like, no, you're going to tell him I did it and I'm going to get killed. Yeah. So, in some ways, it was self-defense there, but self-defense under making assumptions. So, I guess a little bit different. Yeah. So, the big takeaway from this next scene where uh, Zan and uh, Brasso are walking away is that uh, Zan confirms to Brasso that Cassian does know about Marva's, you know, uh, Marva's passing. And, um, you know, they're debating, is Cassian going to come back? And he'd, he'd have to be insane to. The other big takeaway is the guy, I can't remember his name either, the guy who uh, Cassian owed money to. Who Nurchie? did the kind of, what, what is it? Nurchi. Nurchi, yeah, Nurchi overhears this conversation, and that's going to be significant, that Nurchi overhears him talking about whether or not Cassian's going to come back, and the fact that Zan's talked to Cassian. So, dun-dun-dun. This, this feels very weird and disjointed, doesn't it? What, the show, or the... Uh, yeah, our podcast. The podcast? Yeah, no, the show is well, perfection. Well, did everybody put their headscarves on? I got my headscarf on. I need a 10-minute headscarf. You might need to tighten it. Yeah. yeah. So Can you pick this back up tomorrow? <laughs> so we see uh, the guy who's been spying on Marva walking the streets with a disguised Deidre. And, of course, Senta's, you know, she's always Lurking. 18 steps ahead of everyone. So she's following the, the watchers. Yeah. And then we again flip back to uh, the kid building his bomb, which is something I guess is it's something we've pointed out on this this series a lot. They do a lot of those cut shots where it'll yeah. I mean it's literally like a, a three or four second view of just this kid inserting more parts into this bomb, and then they just, switch chains again. They're great because you get to see close ups of all the props that you want to see in Star Wars. The I props. Like the so this show was filmed mostly with real sets and real props. So yeah. like in Mandalorian, they do a lot of the. It's not called green screen anymore. It's something else where they have like this immersive like surrounding yeah. screen, the and the one. actors can see it too. It's not just them in front of a you know blank background. They can see what it's going to look like. But um, this show, yeah, like the the droids you see on the street, like those are they physically built these props. Um, 
yeah, again, everything about this show just screams of just a, a an attention to detail you just don't see much in, in shows, um, Star Wars or otherwise. So, yeah, it's good. And uh, our next scene does go to Nurchi. Well, I think you pointed and, out last time that it, it really points out that all these things are happening at the same time. Yeah, yeah, it helps with the pacing. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Nurchi's talking to uh, Zan, and he's... I, I can't... He, He's so uh, he's so sympathetic. He can't stop thinking about Marva. Now this goes back to again. Papa Bear pointed out that these writers. Uh, I don't know about this specific episode, but throughout the series, we've got writers from the TV show The Americans, and Nurchi does a fairly masterful job of asking questions without making it look like he's interested in the answers. Yeah. 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 Well, he's feeding that guy drinks later, and. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so he, he's uh, buying drinks, you know, he's hitting him up with, oh my gosh, I can't imagine, you know, losing your mom like that, not being able to be there for her, and all that uh, stuff. And, and then, he, you know, then he, he does that line, like, he's like, don't tell me, and let me get you another drink, and then you'll tell me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's so perfectly done. Yeah, uh, you think Cassian's coming? Oh, I don't want to know if Cassian's coming back, and of course, that's all he wants to know, so uh-huh. I can sell the information to the Empire. Um, yeah. Yeah. Again, well done. This this is how you uh, this is how you manipulate people, Papa Bear. In case you're wondering. What? I Wait a minute. Didn't know Wait if you wanted to know. Why am I wearing this headscarf? Oh man, you figured it out. Is this, is this like one of these podcast cults? Do me a favor, and don't tell me. That's what Nurchi would say. Yep. Knowing the whole time, I want you to tell me. Uh, how do you think Nurchi does in the dating world with this sort of tactic? All right, and then we go back to guess what we cut screen to now? On Mappa? No, the kid building the bomb again. Ah, uh, man, this is like the longest bomb build ever. Well, you got to be careful with improvised explosive devices, or so I've been told. <sighs> well, and they are doing a good job of that, of of showing him really taking his time while he works on it. Which uh, I, he, I like that too. Like I like the realism of that. Again, like all the acting in this, the the kid. I'd say the kid. I don't know how old he is. Let's say he's maybe mid or late teens. He could even be early twenties. I don't know. But uh, yeah, he's he's intense, man. Yeah. Um, the close ups on his face, the close ups on like Papa Bear said the the props that he the they're using. It's it's so well done, and not a word is spoken, but the 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 weight of the scene is there. Never, I've heard weird criticisms of the show. It seems to be very hit or miss. You either seem to love this show or you don't like it at all. Hate, I think, is too strong a word. I haven't really seen much of that, but I've seen people talk about it being boring. And I'm like, mm. this is an intense drama. This is not an action show so much. There's action here and there. It's a spy thriller. You have to pay attention. It's not yeah. just whip out your lightsaber and go to town. And yeah, aggressive negotiations? Yeah. No. This, these are just... These aren't even negotiations. So now we switch to Mon Mothma. And she, she's in her car. And I love... I didn't see anybody say they don't like the show. I, I, I see it so, on I the know. forums. Um, actually, I've seen it a lot more than I would have expected. Um, people, uh, And the number one complaint I see is it's boring. There's no story. It doesn't go anywhere. And then it's those kind of posts will always get responses with, Did you watch it? Like, there's a story. There's there's a big story. It's and we know where it's, it's going. Like yeah, I, I usually just um, say obviously you're just a Star Trek fan. 
<laughs> Trekkie, you're a no, Trekkie. And you're like, no, I'm more of a Battlestar Galactica <laughs> kind of like, guy. Like um, so Mon Mothma's picking up her, her fella, Perrin. Yeah. And um, you notice I, right I, before... I thought this was hmm? an interesting conversation that the, uh, this he's flying just, on. This is this great. Is, yeah, pure genius. And, and, um, and everything wonders if Perrin's in on it. I, part of me wonders if Perrin's in on it now. Uh, I absolutely don't think he is. I think that the lesson, the lesson here know. is that like how bad these arranged marriages work, and we're seeing well, Mon Mothma basically use Perrin in this in this game now. But yeah. it is also possible that he's part of the conversation and setting it up too. I don't think that he is. I think she's using him, but yeah, it is possible that he's part of this conversation. Like it I, could I, go either I, way. I think as we move towards the end of the episode and you see what happens i think she's on board with this as far as this is i think there's a quid pro quo right here to buy time into season two so he's in on it i think yeah he's falling in line with mod moth because as she goes down he's gonna go down yeah it'll be interesting to see what happens to him and and their daughter um so yeah she uh so they're in their car. She knows that the driver's an ISB agent. Uh, you notice as soon as she's in the car, she opens up her coat, mm-hmm. which is, again, a little cinematography body language thing here, suggesting that she's about to, to open up. And, of course, it's all you know, intended to mislead the ISB agent because she's like, how could you to parent? How could I what? You're gambling and, and doing it here on Coruscant. Like, she, she sells this so real so that there's nothing Perrin can say that's, that's going to take away that, that thought from the ISB agent. And it perfectly explains why the money is moving, why it's disappearing, um, stuff like that. It's just such a great misdirection. Um, and, of course, Perrin saying, I haven't been doing that, it makes it seem even more like he's been doing that. And she's even yes. like, why can't, and we get a little fan service with the, you, you, why don't you go somewhere like Cantabite, which is, of course, where people value horses more than children. They're fathers. Just, just Rose Tico. Yeah, Rose is like literally looking at a stable with slave children feeding horses and going, I wish we could feed, we could free those horses. We have to free them all and lead them to this cliff where they can be recaptured. Yes. But a great scene where, again, Mon Mothma just, she sets the seeds for, hey, if they do find anything weird with our accounting, they're just going to assume it's a parent, and it's also going to explain why she gets involved with kind of a, a, you know, a a gangster, because, hey, she's a senator whose husband has gambling debts. Like, what a brilliant cover-up for everything. Um, and Perrin, I really do, I don't think he's gambling. I think he means it when he's like, what are you talking about? Where would I get the money? And it seems sincere. And I I think he, I agree with you. And, and yeah, and she's her answer. You know, he, he says, where would I get the money? And her answer is, that's what scares me. Like, oh my gosh, she is just feeding this guy to the ISB. Like not in a bad way. He's probably not going to get in trouble for moving money for gambling, but what a brilliant kind of just ground setting stage so we ready to move back to Ferrex now we got Cinta and Vel you ready yeah so, so again yeah oh no go ahead 
Again, the filming. So uh, now, see, I'm so much into the the way they stage shots now. Like the show is just fulfilling just so much of my I love good story writing. The note if you go back and watch the scene, notice the way Senta is always she has very little what they call forward space, meaning like her. So if she's facing to the right of the screen, her face is very close to the right edge of the screen. You see a lot of the ground behind her, but not what's in front of her. And this conveys a sense of, like, not sure what the future holds. But when they show Senta, it does the opposite. And whenever they show them in the same uh, shot together, uh, Vel's out of focus, but Senta's focused. It's just brilliant storytelling. Again, all this hits your head, and you understand it subconsciously. Um, it's just great cinematography. And again, you know, we've been covering all the shows from Star Wars and uh, we've never really had these conversations because this show just excels at this more than anything else we've watched. I mean, a little bit of this in, uh, in Kenobi, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it, yeah, it just, uh, really focuses on the fact that, uh, Senta, she is the rebellion, uh, and that's all she really has time for. Or yeah, well, or... that's the biggest. That's the biggest thing I think we get out of the scene is, is there, a little bit of their story arcs again. You know, we have the, the rich girl running away from home, and they they have very much, like when we first met her, we didn't quite have that, but then yeah. as the show has progressed, like we really find out she's, you know, she's clinging to things, but not focused truly on the cause, it doesn't seem like, where Cinta is nothing but the cause. Um, Cinta kind of gives the feeling here that, hey, you know, I know we had some time together, but we we need to just focus on what needs to be done here. Like, there's no time for relationships. And, like, that's, I mean, that's the feeling I'm getting from that, is Cinta's like, we just have to focus on other things. Yeah, and that... I love the humanity of this and that Vel clearly, you know, cares very much for her, loves Senta, and I think Senta loves Vel too. But Senta is so profoundly broken and we got a reference to why, you know, early on when they said she she saw stormtroopers wipe out her family. Um, she's so profoundly broken she can't just love Vel. She this is this is her life now. And I think that this scene is where you see Vel kind of come to terms with that. Um, and again, the framing shows, uh, I, I mentioned Vel has very little forward spacing in her shots. Senta's filmed the exact opposite way. When they do just a shot of Senta, it's a ton of forward space. So Senta is focused, and oftentimes with a pair of binoculars in front of her. So she's extremely focused. She's, she's looking forward. I don't know if this sort of commentary is interesting to y'all, but I, I love this aspect of, of Andor as well. Um, so I keep talking about it and y'all are just listening. Now we're switching scenes again. You ready? Always ready. Uh, w- did you name these scenes like you did last week? Cause that no, was No, I didn't name them. No, when uh, would I have time to time to do that? We've been recording I'm, for four days straight. We've been recording for four days straight. And what y'all are hearing is just the, uh, the, what we saved. There's, there's about 80 hours of outtakes. Guys, we want to release it over the pop of air cut. The Papa Bear. Well, in 20 years from now, people are going to be screaming for it. No, it's, um, it's one year. One year. So Andor, we, we switch. Andor's, you know, creeping through the streets at night and very powerful. He goes and uh, he sees the brick with his father's name on it. With yeah. Clem. And this triggers a flashback. And I was watching um, 
Screen Crush, uh, which is a YouTube video that talks about this stuff too. Um, that guy is pretty brilliant. Um, but he he had a video on why Andor, what Andor does right that Boba, Book of Boba Fett did wrong. And one of the things he mentioned was their the way they transitioned to flashbacks. And he was absolutely right about that. With Boba Fett, it came across as very disjointed. There wasn't, oftentimes there wasn't even a connection between the flashback and what was going on. Whereas Andor, the flashbacks are perfect. So we see uh, Clem reconditioning old parts. Um, it, it, it's really cool because that's essentially what is happening to the character of Andor. Um, he, you know, he's, he went from being this guy who's just trying to get over, sell some stuff, get out of the way of the empire, as he called himself many times, I'm just a tourist to now he's being, you know, kind of refurbished in his own way and becoming an integral part of the group that'll eventually overthrow the empire. Yeah. Yeah. It's gorgeous, gorgeous storytelling. Hey Jim, of I, course, gotta produce, I gotta do some cleaning right now. Yeah. Yeah. Cleaning parts. Well, I got some hot parts that are very dirty, but you clean them up and they're going to be 500 credits. Easy. Yeah. Hot Two pocket. minutes. No more, no less. No, well, exactly. Yeah. So we had that little flashback scene. Andor's creeping the, 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 the city walls and, or the city streets, and he, he climbs into the Bix's uh, compound like he'd done before, but this time the dogs are there. Yeah, they are. The dogs are barking. My dogs are barking. Last time we saw these dogs. I kind of expected him to know the dogs a little better. Um, well, are these like Corellian hounds? What are these? Um, I think that they're Chihuahua pit bull mixes. But Bix isn't there. Instead, Pegla's there. You remember Pegla? Yeah. Yeah, so for those of you who might have forgotten, Pegla was the guy who, um... Who, when in the very first episode when Andor snuck off planet, Pegla was the one who loaned him the ship from the junkyard and told him, you know, hey, I'm not doing this again. And kind of left you not knowing what their relationship really was. But here we see that, uh, kind of like Xan, um, there's, there's a deep friendship here. And you As know what happens fact, later? What? He does it again. Pegla? Yeah. Oh, he's going to come through like a champ. Wasn't um he? Yeah, um, so, yeah, Pegla actually hugs him here, and he's like, hey, I loved your mom, um, yeah, this, this was, this was, a, again, a powerful scene, the, this was a good show, um, anything else? That just shows how tight the bond of all the people of Ferrick seems to be, and yeah. that's gonna help them out later. Well, we have the daughters of Ferrix, <laughs> these are the sons of Ferrix. Um, but it's here that Cassian founds out that Bix has been taken. Um, <coughs> excuse me. I'm going to cough, so I'm going to, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to mute. Y'all say something really smart. All right. And this might be the reason that, uh, that this whole thing works out is this conversation finding out that, that Bix has been taken because now the whole reason that he's there changes, um, which tells us a lot about his character and, you know, kind of where his character's gone, because he obviously came back for the funeral. Um, and we find out real quickly that he doesn't attend the funeral. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now we start to get the voiceover 
from yeah this is it the manifesto yeah so we got the manifesto and while they're doing the voiceover of nemec reading his manifesto he starts talking about their times where the enemy seems overwhelming um he does arrive at some conclusions that i as a person who enjoyed political philosophy i'm not really sure i agree with but um still it's a beautiful speech they also show luthan during this voiceover are we you want to hear the part that i don't actually think i agree with not really i we can i mean i'd be interested there was (laughs) there was a part or two that i personally didn't agree with too but i I, so i love the part where it says things like even the smallest um insurrections push our lines forward um he he does you know very well summarize like the nature of rebellion especially like uh, you know, a small group that, against an overwhelming, you know, oppressive uh, power. Um, the part that I, I he says, remember, freedom is a natural idea. Um, it, it's it's created in nature. It's a natural state. Um, and then he says that the the empire's need to control is so unnatural. Um, this kind of bothers me in that, like, if you take the entire history of humanity the concept of societies being free is really a modern idea and has really only been around for about 200 years out of human history um now native americans had the greatest sense of freedom as far as any real societies go and maybe you can argue that that's the closest to like a natural existence we saw in developed societies but i mean i I don't know I, i think oppression might be the natural tendency of humans not not freedom uh, it's sad for me to say that but anyway that having said it's still a powerful speech yeah yes it is and i do like the line oppression is the mask of fear because that goes right back to what andor had said to um uh, uh, uh what's his name on the, on the prison um circus andy circus character loy kino loy um when he said they killed a hundred men i call that power and he said i call that panic um so nimic yeah now that now that andor's taken time to actually listen to this journal he and after his experiences in prison yeah yeah andor feels it guys he's living it yeah oh yeah so what does he end up doing with the journal? Like ever? Yeah. Where does the journal end up? Um, there's a copy at Barnes and Noble. You can pick it up for nineteen ninety-five. And do you remember the last line that Nimick says before we switch scenes again? The one single thing will break the siege. He says try is that later no that's what he says and then he after that he says try which yoda's like no 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 there is no try yeah so nimic and yoda just climb or climb not there is no try (laughs) climb yay and now we switch uh to the isb preparing for for their events and they're talking about how they've set up uh, uniform patrols, but they're kind of keeping them hidden. Um, Deidre's looking at all this. They, they've got the map of the, the, the Rick's Road, which is the name of the episode. Um, yeah. They said we've got and, snipers here and containment units. 
Yeah, and she she doesn't like the snipers. Nope, she says, absolutely not. This guy is alive. Do not kill him. Yeah, and the daughters of Ferrix, they uh, they call it a social club. Andrew's mother was the president. Local annoyance is how they describe this thing. And they said that uh, they, the Empire had said 30 people. The daughters got upset, so they said, all right, you know what, 40. So that's supposed to be all that's there. And, yeah, this is where Deidre reiterates that she doesn't want it to look like they're setting up an ambush. That having been said, our very next scene is stormtroopers, you know, coming down the road on a, like, some sort of patrol car with a machine gun in the back. Yeah, we'll talk about that gun later on, because it's the one thing that I've got an issue with in this episode. The one thing, huh? Auto? The auto-targeting thing? He won't answer you, Papa Bear. Um, I I was trying to think. So there was auto. You reminded me of something different that I watched just the other day. Was a Doctor Who? It was was yesterday. A Doctor Who episode um, with auto targeting, and I went to that ship instead of this ship, and it completely threw off what I was thinking. That's like the transport carrier from like a kid as a kid, isn't it? So it had that like little cannon on there. No, it's different. I know the one. It's the one I'm thinking about in the TV show Rebels and the cartoon Rebels. Have y'all seen Rebels? Rebels is awesome. That's the they use that that a lot. Like that was one of the Dave Filoni like nods to the old school fandom because that transport uh, toy, transport troop carrier. was more of an action figure holder that doubled as a toy. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, but it had never been seen in an actual Star Wars thing until Rebels. But it's a little different than this. Because that looks like kind of a tank with little like weird <coughs> holding things on the side that you stick people in. I, I don't know. Um, it this, reminded me of that thing. It, this thing, it, it reminds me of like 80s cartoons. Like it reminded me of like a, something you would see Man-at-Arms have in He-Man or... Like yeah. that kind of that kind of vehicle. Well, sadly, what it really reminds me of is what's called a technical, which is a military term. Um, and you see this in like third world countries and stuff. That they take these old pickup trucks and they strap you know big old machine guns in the back of them, and they're called technicals. Um, that's what it reminded me of because I mean it's not very armored. It's wide open on the top. Um, but anyway, but yeah. you can move a big fifty cal around pretty easy. Yeah. Oh, oh, they're they're scary vehicles. Um, I mean, they're designed to be fast, hit hard, and then get out of there. Yeah, um, which is what I want to device. That, that's the conversation that I want to have about it when we get to the appropriate scene. Yeah. Well, yeah. now we're back to ISB headquarters where um where Deidre's no, it's Blevins. Um, the guy Deidre's had some run-ins with is having the conversation about um his his spy is repeating what Mon Mothma's you know, and her husband talked about. And they're like, well, did she seem more upset about Perrin lying, or did she seem more upset about the money being gone? And they're like, well, it sounds like they've had this problem before. So in other words, Mon Mothma's whole thing is working. Yeah, uh, they, they, I like that. They're totally buying this. Yeah. They like even that. say, it sounds like Perrin done this before, so th- this works. And as they're talking about this, a guy walks by and he's like, hey, you're missing it. Hey, it's Krieger's birthday. It's Krieger's well, when he first birthday. walked by, he goes, Krieger, you're missing it. And I was like... That guy's name's I, not Krieger. I, yeah, that's what I, I... That did destroy me at first, the first watch I saw that. And I was like, oh, he's just telling them there's a birthday party for Krieger. Right. Yeah, they got cake in the in the meeting room. 
And I got lots of blasters for him. Yeah. Of all the of all the beautiful writing in the show, that was the one line where I was like, um, I think he might have misspoke that one. I have to admit, I didn't get thrown off at all because good for you. Y'all... Good for well, you, I Jim. Kept, I kept calling him Kurgan, and y'all had to correct me. <laughs> so ever since then, I've been like, well, I know who Krieger is now. <laughs> Because I, I was calling him Kurgan. So when oh. the guy said Krieger, I knew exactly who he was talking about <laughs> for once. Yeah, yeah. We need to have like a name sheet for Jim or something. Um, I'm Jim. Like a, like a roster for football, you know? I know that. Number 22, lightsaber. You're Papa Bear. Yeah, I'm number No, 20. I'm Tim. I'm Jim. All right, so yeah, so Blevins joins, oh. joins him in the meeting room. And they're like, how many are dead? We're still counting the bodies. Well, they're like, it's Completely done. You missed worked. it, buddy. You yeah. missed the party. Who, call, who calls in from across the universe? Well, Deidre, because she's mad. Oh, man. Somebody well, and I love, in the room. Somebody I love the room. their phrasing of her. Um, they don't like of her like, well, at all. Guess who's not going to be happy or who's not happy about it. Okay. And what I really like about that is... Because they're ISB, so their whole job, it, they should be able to read people and know people. So for them to be like, she's not happy that we just killed all these people, prior to her even saying it, um, is really good. And then yeah. the higher-ups having a different reason in hand yeah, also oh, it fits. Like, it's it, just it, a beautiful conversation. You know? It, 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 yeah. it, it, again, it's so real life because she's very practical. She's like, well, we can't interrogate dead people. But her boss is like, no, we needed the dead people for political reasons. Uh, to, this is for the emperor. Have you ever tasted Aldani? To wash Aldani? the taste? Uh, have yeah. you ever tasted Aldani? Well, I thought it looked smooth and refreshing, but I guess it doesn't. Um, it kind of tastes like those uh, skins that they exchange. And if you're listening to the podcast, you don't know what we're talking about. That is what Petrograd says. He said he needed the dead bodies to wash the taste of Aldani out of his mouth. If you're um, listening to the podcast, yeah. we assume that you saw the episode and probably know what we're talking about. But haven't memorized every line? I would love it point? if no, anyone... No, I know. I understand what you're saying. <laughs> I would love it yeah. if anyone in here... I just I want there to be one listener that we have who never watches the show. There probably is. Um, yeah. yeah, oftentimes y'all will quote a line and like, we need to get them on the next podcast about. too. And I've watched it several times before each podcast. But we go to Luthen, and yeah, so Deidre looks mad, and of course she is, and she's like, well, now that, how's that going to help us find Axis? Um, He's like, that's but, your problem. Do it, or. Do it, do it. He doesn't say that, but. This this kind of leads to a Axis is your responsibility. You better figure that part out. Yeah, get on um, it, Deidre. And then Luthen, looking all smooth on it on his speeder bike, mm-hmm. revs it up. This yeah. reminds uh, me of like Darth Maul when he's getting that's what I thought. Sky cycle. I was like, he's got similar gear. Yeah, the black I thought, hood. The right and the, yeah, yeah, the whole uh, get up. Uh, that was my immediate thought too. So glad that wasn't just me. Now we switch back to the spy. And I don't know if I've I told can't. you guys this or not. So Darth Maul's the Sith infiltrator, the Lego mm-hmm. set from way back when, yeah. um, that came out, is a yeah. is a beautiful set. Um, and the way that the way that it's his saber ship. fits into 
the ship and fits because sometimes with Star Wars things, it's you know with Lego sets, it's hard to fit the the accessories. Um, and it's one of the most impressive things they do with Star Wars ships is find places for you to store the sabers, the blasters, and all that stuff. Yeah. Well, with cool. Darth Maul's Sith infiltrator, they also found a really good way to store the speeder bike, so you could get that you know in and out to be able to use. I, I um, like the level of detail that they do on a lot of those Lego builds. There, it's I really might have cool. to get it. I, I just yeah. finished my second Lego build. Yeah. Uh, which was so my daughter got me the uh, tie fighter for my birthday um and then after i got injured i was like ah you know i need something so i got the inquisitor ship which actually is a really cool build too it's it's yeah. bigger than i thought it would be um it didn't come with stickers i was very upset about that and they're like you can go to this website and i tried to and it kept redirecting me to play world wait it I didn't come with stickers it's stickers. supposed to come with stickers yeah it, just call yeah. lego call lego directly and tell them a little Papa Bear told me to go to their website, and I we did. Then their website was broken. And yeah, so. I call I call Lego directly. Like we got, we have the Lego Death Star, and there's one piece that's uh, this extra long piece that came. Well, we opened the box, and that piece was snapped in half. No. Um, and so I called them up, and I've done this with like two or three different things where I was like, "Hey, you know, this didn't show up, or this wasn't in the set," and they're just like, "Oh, we'll get that out to you," and they just. They just I've fired been, away, and it's I've usually been, like a week. I've been slowly building a, a part that way, the Death Star. I tell them one part at a time, and I space it out two weeks. So I've got about 64 pieces. I've been working on about 12 years. <laughs> We're yes. getting to it. <laughs> yes. Well, now I'm going to look up and see how much Maul's uh, uh, ship is. All right. So next well, that's an old. that's an old set. Yeah, it is. Yeah. So that once might, again, they uh, do... That might, mm-hmm. that might cost quite a bit. Oh, not as much as the $800 Millennium <laughs> Falcon, I hope. Yeah, out of curiosity, I looked, and the, the nice Millennium Falcon was $800 some dollars. So I'm like, I yeah, know exactly how much it is. I watch it. I watch the price drop sometimes to 7 and <gasps> I still can't afford it. No. And then I watch it go back up to 8 I mean, that's, that's one-third of a trip to the Galaxy Edge Star Cruiser thing. Um... All right, they once again do the, the kind of thing where they do. They do a cutscene and then another cutscene. So they show the the spy, you know, the Imperial spy talking to his thing, and he, he witnesses uh, Brasso was supposed to be in Marva's house, but it turns out it was Pac. And that's when the Imperial spy's like, we've been, you know, we've been tricked. He's, uh, not Brasso's Pac. not here. Hmm? Not Pac. Not Pac, uh, Zan. Pac's dead. Yes. Um, Zan was the one. And then we switch back and we uh we we see the infamous sewers where you know that run underneath uh Rick's Road Andor's down there. Yeah. Yeah. And then we get Pegla and Brasso in here. So this this again pushes to uh to Pegla's involvement, which is really cool yep. because because we didn't like I I just, I just love and I know we already said this, but I just love that you know at the beginning he was like, "Look, I helped you. I did it. We can't do this anymore. It's over. It has to stop. And you're just like, oh, he's just this guy who he was paying, but who doesn't really have any investment, and he's just, you know, yeah, there's no involvement. But that was very wrong. Yeah, what you just saw was two friends having a disagreement. It, it, it's so well done. Um, and the Empire showing up and and running through things probably you know pushed a few people. Yeah, in the death of his mom, which Pegla points out that he he loved uh, Cassian's mom. 
Yeah. Yeah. And Cassian's like, what'd you say about my mom? <laughs> so they're talking, uh, so they're in the tunnels, and yeah, Brasso and, and Cassian get to have a nice little conversation about uh, basically how the, the, the fire has started, and yeah. Well, and worse than that, this was a this was a huge, huge scene. Can so this was um, a huge hug too. The hug, yeah, that was a big. Hug. Um, is it well, Di- what's Diego? What's his What's his last name? Luna. Luna. So Diego Luna has done a, a beautiful job in acting out this entire part of of the sun. So first he's with Melshi when he finds out, right? Yeah. And you can see the reaction on his face. And then he he flips his switch, says, I'm fine to Melshi, does all this stuff. You know, everybody that he talks to as he goes through, like, there's not been a whole lot of of that reaction. And as soon as, you know, his best friend is there, right, as soon as Brasso's there, and, we, and I say best friend because of that first reaction, like, way back when, when he's like, hey, this is what's going on. He's like, well, yeah, obviously, right, at the first scene or first two episodes – yeah. When we meet Brasso, um, and he just goes along with his story. Yeah. You know, when he when he you know, after they hug here, we see Andor start to break. Um yeah. you know, which is which is going to happen. And that's that's really important because nowhere else in the episode he's so driven and he's so focused, we don't have that breakdown and he's just gone through a very well, a number of very traumatic events. Um, but you know, the loss of his mother in this case, and I love that they address it and they give yeah. that, then Brasso, they give Brasso something to give him a little bit of, you know, she knows and it's okay. You can push through like, you've got this and she knows that you've got this and she was proud of you and she loved yeah, you. Yeah, that like, line, uh, she loves you more than anything you could ever do. Wrong. Um, more than anything you could ever do wrong. More, yeah. Um, yeah. There's also another aspect because they hug, and they made it a point of showing earlier in the series that Andor doesn't like people touching him. Um, you remember when they were yeah, on Aldani? Yeah. Um, so yeah, exactly. The the this transition, and it's not just him warming up; it's him moving into being a team player and and a leader. Yeah, it, it, it's all well done. Yeah, we're I'm just repeating stuff you're saying. Yeah. I love it. I loves it. Um, and again, the acting. It just so much is done with just facial expressions in the show. Um, yeah, and Diego Luna, uh, obviously incredible. Um, and I haven't, I haven't yet, but I'm really excited to go watch Rogue One again. Yeah. Um, and I mean, part of it is, part of it is to to reanalyze his character in it. Like, I want to watch it just looking at him. Because of the things that I might have not paid enough attention to then. I've had the same feeling. You know, because this has been so well done. And his acting in this has been so great. Yeah. Yep. So this scene ends with uh, Brasso saying, I'll take care of Marva, meaning he'll deliver the brick. You take care of uh, of Bix. And he even has the line, uh, yeah, when Andor says he's going to go get Bix, he's like, you... You're going to take on a whole garrison, which again takes us back to Aldani. Um, that, <laughs> yep, he's done it before. Um, it's, we're, now we're, we're ready to switch scenes, and we got two of our ca- favorite people. We got Cyril and the sergeant, whose name I can't remember. Keystone Cops. The, 
I love it because they're sitting on this transport, and the sergeant just hands his hat to Cyril, and they switch hats, and I guess that's their idea of disguising themselves. I don't know. <laughs> These two Where are it? awesome. It just yeah. seemed like they I really were wearing liked the wrong hats, though. I guess, but it's it's a it's a funny little scene, and the, there's I, no words exchanged. It's just them sitting there, and when I wish we had like a police, you know, a uh, uh, a crime comedy based on these two characters. They're they're awesome. I All want two- I want the two of them together to become bounty hunters. Well, <laughs> or like I actually don't think ISP I can find ages. it. <laughs> What's well, that? Bumbling ISB agents. Any anytime you want a job that goes wrong, you send these two guys. See, the thing is, though, I I would find that difficult because I don't find Cyril bumbling so much as unlucky, uh, inexperienced. Um, he's no, I and I think that as he became more experienced, I think he would be very serious and very straightforward, and yeah. very like. And but the other guy would be kind of wacky. Like I think the two of them, I don't mean they would be funny. I think he would be funny because he's got the serious side of it. Where the I other guy is a character who's learning from his mistakes, and I think he's going to grow yes. even more yeah. in second and, season. And he's intense uh, yeah. in a good way. I, like I find his character compelling. Like and he's, he's very loyal. <laughs> yeah, he is. Um, now we get back loyal to loyal, or if it's obsessive. He's got some well, obsessive I mean, what's tendencies. The I mean, I think yeah. obsessive is more than loyal. <laughs> yeah, he's yeah. So. Now we're back to the city streets, and we see the guy whose name I've forgotten again. Where's my name sheet? The guy Nurchie? who's... Is it Nurchie? Nurchie, yeah. He's, yeah, he's watching what's going down. Vel's watching what's going down. Um, Luthan makes an, his appearance here to, to, uh, to Vel. And Vel knows why Luthan's there. They're, they're there to kill Andor. They're yep. all going to the same box. Yep. And uh, she's she's not entirely happy about it. She mentions that that Deidre's in town, and uh, yeah, and Deidre's of course on um, Luthen's radar as being the person who's basically identified that he exists and called him Axis. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and they've they've got to kill Luthen before Deidre can get him. Um, did they also agree to kill Deidre at this point? I think they did. I don't think so. I don't think I don't so. Know, I think they... they're there to kill Andor and get out. And yeah. then things change. Like they do. Yeah, so Luthen uh, points out that uh, the Empire wants him alive, and we're going to use the Empire to catch him, and then we'll kill him. Um, mm-hmm. So that's Luthen's plan. Luthen's, Luthen's smart. Uh, yeah, he says the hotel's our target. We just need him dead before they start asking questions. Is what he actually says. Yeah, they said we need to be we need to be at the hotel to get him before they get him in there and locked into a room or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bong. And then Bong. the Bong. anvil clangs. Yep, Bong. the anvil. Which tells us right there. Oh, sneeze! Hold on. I love the anvil. The anvil's so cool. The anvil is an awesome touch. And, of course, it harkens back to the fact that the first time they had trouble on um, on Ferrex with the, the uh, Cyril's patrol, people started banging on metal to warn each other. And now you got, like, the big dog, the big iron anvil thing. 
Well, yeah. I think that's why, and we talked about it. You know, we pointed it out last episode that they that they had the anvil going again, um, and it wasn't a necessary component last time, except to lead us into this episode. Yeah, which is another piece of you know it does provide part of the environment of being on Ferrix, so it always could be there, but they also if they had taken that out of last episode, it wouldn't have changed the last episode. Yeah. Right. But doing what's, what's going to happen in this episode or what does happen in this episode, having that last episode to be like, don't forget, this is a major part of Ferrix where they do shift changes and this guy comes out. Um, but I don't think kind of like, yeah, the, the anvil's going to ring in like three hours and then it rings and she's like, uh Oh, What's that ringing for? Yeah. <laughs> right. Everybody's like, yeah. why is this happening right now? Because it was too right. early. Yeah. Um, the Imperials don't know. And that's because he was right. calling everyone for for, uh, for a different shift. Yeah. So meanwhile, Andor was up in the top of this building watching all this. And uh, the guy whose name I've forgotten again, Nimchi? Did I get it right? Nurchi. Nurchi knows that uh, Andor is up there, and he's going to try to give his location away. But yeah, Andor is watching all this. The band's warming up. The the people of Ferrix are starting to slowly congregate. The Empire's confused because it's starting early. What's going on, guys? We got something happening. Got and I guess this this kind of goes back to people are again. The the one criticism I've seen of the show is that the show's kind of slow. It, it, there is a pacing here that's intentionally slow. I like it. It's it, it's yeah, yeah. I find it intense, not slow. Here. What I there found is. with this season is it's a bunch of like almost little three episode stories inside this first season. Yeah, because you got the the first, you know, you got the the robbery, you got the prison escape. Those are basically two trilogies inside yep. this season. You've got yeah. the discovery of Cassian as a little boy yeah. on 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 Canary. It, yep, it's it's so well done. It goes, you know, you see a lot of the universe, which is nice. I, yes. So again, the uh, so we're seeing all the people start to gather. You're seeing the key players. Everybody's starting to slowly move towards center, the city center, or whatever it is. And the empire's getting more and more nervous. But you see the kid walk out with the bomb. You see Vel join the uh, the throng. You see Senta join the throng. Um, and of course, Senta, Vel, and and um, and Luthen, like you pointed out, they're they're trying to make their way to the hotel to be there for when everything kind of you know comes together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can well, I say no, something point, about this? Um, this this building part reminded me so much of the Gangs of New York, the March of the Dead uh, Rabbits. Yeah. Yeah, that's a you great yeah, yeah comparison. Yeah. That doesn't matter so, so, either. Who's the guy in charge? Tigo. Uh, yes, I'm very so good with names, and that's his he's name. like everybody out, everybody out. We gotta, you know, we need a show of force. We need to show them that we're the, yeah, you know, we're the we're the tough ones here, and we're gonna stop them. And then he actually says restrict them, um, but that doesn't quite. Yeah. He sort of restricts them, I guess. He stops. Them he, at one he's point. getting more and more anxious, um, and I love again the acting is great. Um, that he, yeah, he's starting to look panicked. Um. Meanwhile, they show Bix in her prison cell, and the music actually is the first thing that seems to have revived her since since the torture. She hears the music, and she actually gets up and moves to the window. Um, it, oh, it's just great. Um, Andor, 
then catches sight of Luthen. Dun dun dun. He knows right away why Luthen's on this planet. Luthen and Luthen does have a very Sith look in that robe right there too. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, like very much. I'm um, telling you, dude, he's a fallen Jedi. Yeah, he I mean, knows there's a, he's a fallen a Jedi. He was he's he's mad that Palpatine's doing his stuff. He knows that he's a Sith Lord and wants to he really just wants to overthrow the Emperor. I would love for there to be some like background Sith story and Luthen has to be killed in a lightsaber battle with the Emperor. That would be awesome. Like, some, that, that would, would be amazing if that happened at the end of season two. Like that would be the yeah. way to bring lightsabers into this show. I don't think um, the Emperor would show up. I think we would send Darth Vader. I think maybe Darth it should Vader gets be, beat up again. I think <laughs> I think Luthen should be Coda from the uh Starkiller games, the Force Unleashed games. Oh, that, and he's going to be he the reminds slightly, me kind of of him, but yeah, I, I slightly, always envision him as like an Indiana Jones type. He was always interested in gathering the stuff, the antiques and, and stuff. Yeah, I mean, he was. I think he's does. always been a relic hunter, even when he was a Jedi. Yeah, and I think yeah. maybe the Jedi Order taking away his relics might have said, "You know what? I don't want to be a in the Jedi Order. I just want to get collect the relics." And maybe he got his. Maybe he got his his um, face changed up a bit, and it's really Quinlan Voss. <gasps> no, <sighs> he's not enough of a surfer. So, <clears throat> I've got one more. Um, I've got one thing that I want to talk about because you brought it up, um, and it carries through the rest of the episode, and I think it's really important. So this is going to be one of those like something that happens all the way to the end, um, and it's about Bix. <gasps> So what you said here was Bix comes to the window when she starts to hear the music. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? And more than that, she starts to hum along with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, she also pays more attention when we get a speech later on. Right? Yeah. And then Cassian shows up, and then Cassian gets her out. Um, I think that they did a really good job. Like, even though she did some resistance, we'll see in a little bit, to leaving with Andor... I think they did a really good job of leading her up to being able to leave. Yeah. Like, the music to Marva to Andor gave her a longer story of, I can get out of here. You know, brought her a little bit back from where she was. And I think that all of that was, was again, intentional, of course. Um, So it wasn't just like, oh, Cassian's here, I can go. Um, Even though she resisted, she had that... And they built up to it throughout the episode, which was yep. amazing. I, I agree with you 100%. It would have seemed too abrupt if they hadn't shown that, if she all of a sudden was like, okay, I'm ready to escape now. Because, yeah. yeah, she was thoroughly broken. So, so the humming yeah. the humming is what did it for me. And then, of course, Marva, you know, was it just another component. Um, but I think the music was key. And Marva, I think, even mentions the music. And I think that was another little hint to what is happening with well, Bix. And then the next scene is significant because it's... What's his name? Ni- Nishi? <laughs> Nerchi. Nerchi. Nerchi goes Nerchi. up to the spy guy and says, act like you're arresting me. Because he wants to be able to give his information to the Empire. Um, then again, we're switching scenes and we see Cyril and the sergeant walking through the crowd after Nerchi's, you know, arrested and taken with the ISB. Um... Just awesome. So 
Yeah, Cyril tries to get to the, the line, and the Imperial guys are like, no. Luthen sees them at this point. I don't know if that's significant or not. I don't know if... I guess Luthen remembers him, because Luthen saw Andor take um, Cyril's blaster and even told him to kill him, um, which Andor obviously didn't do. Um, you know, back, like, five episodes ago. Um, yeah. So, then we switch, and we see just how big this crowd has gotten. We see the band leading it. And these are hundreds of people. Um, definitely not 40. Yeah. So, like 40 yeah, there are man. like 40 people sort of lined up along the outside. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the whole the whole city is turned out for this. Um, and <laughs> I forgot his name again. Nietzsche? 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 Nietzsche's getting arrested. You stare into the abyss long enough, and the abyss stares back. Isn't that Nurchi? Nurchi told them the building, and he correctly identified. He's like, "That's where Andy's Andy Andy's hanging out." And Deidre, you know, let's get him, let's get him, let's get him. Yep. What, I'm just gonna keep repeating that. He's not there, but he's not there. Um, and Deidre does keep repeating this. I need him alive. Uh, part. So. Yeah. And now we get to the heartbreaking scene of Brasso carrying uh, Marva's yeah, brick, brick. Yeah. and B2 Emo's behind him. Um, just so, so well done. At this point, this is where my, my tweet came out. So I woke up Wednesday morning to my alarm so I could get up and watch the show. It was 5 a.m. And because I was tweeting stuff about the podcast the night before... That's what was open on my phone. And the very first thing that I saw was this. Yeah. Was a picture of Marva and this guy saying that Marva's speech was so phenomenal. I don't remember if I said this before when we recorded yeah, four did. days ago. Okay. You did. Um, that's why I, I couldn't remember if we just had a conversation or if I actually said this. So this was this is that scene, right? Um, which wasn't a huge spoil, but it was, you know, like, eh, still spoiler. Um, and that's where we're at. Well, and to further set the stage, we see Deidre walk out with her two death troopers, and she's all composed and put together. Cyril Caesar, and yeah. you know the love in him is so strong. He he kind of moves forward, and and the sergeant has to hold him back. I, I don't know what Cyril was thinking he'd do right That's then. That's enough. I don't know what he thought. Either, Maybe but... he was gonna go. But Deidre, I love you. And of course, th this actress again, just so much presence with this lady. She she just is scary. Um, so, yeah, dun-dun-dun. Brasso finally makes it to the center of the uh, of the square, or whatever you call it. It's at the base of the Anvil Tower. And, uh, yeah, the, the Imperials have, have faced off, so they've created this, you know, like, riot line, the skirmish line, complete with, like, riot shields and everything. Yeah. Uh, this, this, this was so well done. And, again, Book of Boba Fett could really take a you know, a lesson from this, how this was done. Um, this kind of showdown in the middle of this town with, you know, all the weight and power of the presence of, of these two opposing forces. Anyway, and no I do mopeds. like that. Hmm? And no mopeds? No mopeds. I do like that we see uh, an alien that looks like Grindon from uh, A New Hope. Um, I like that we yep, see Death that. Troopers a little bit in action. They're, they're searching Pox old shop. Um, well, they're searching where uh, Andor is supposed to be hidden, 
Can't find him. Dun dun dun. And she notices the grates, which is where I forgot the Peglas. Why can't I remember names, guys? I don't know. All right, are we ready for the the main event? Well, we got that little Cassian thing. Well, oh yeah, I guess we do start with the Stone and Sky, right? Well, Cassian has escaped from the the building. Right, he's running through the sewers, but this is where they start the Stone and Sky uh, chant. Yeah, correct. Yeah, Stone and Sky. That's the first time they do. Um, And they do go back to Bix hearing that as well. And the humming, yep. And this is this is Cassian's actual moment. The hotel's like empty at that, you know, so he can go save Bix. And the the uh, the intensity is just awesome. They just when keep flashing that. back and forth. And yeah. I don't think it was. I think they were every. I don't think everybody was doing this. I think everybody was coming out anyway, right? Like this was all whether Cassian showed up or not. These people were all coming to this funeral. Correct. They were all they were all fed up. Um. But because of that, Cassian actually has a chance in the hotel. Exactly. The reality is, if this wasn't happening, if all these people hadn't shown up, he probably wouldn't get through that hotel. Yes, because he he goes in there, and even as it is with all the people you know distracted, he runs into a cook, and it yeah. turns out the the cook you know Andy Andor's that's, got his that's his buddy Tenek. Yeah, he he yeah. pulls his gun, and then the guy's like, "Hey, man, I'm sorry about your mom." And doesn't say anything, doesn't call an alarm or anything, even though he's working in that hotel with the Imperial. I mean, he's not working for, you know what I mean. He's in that building, but he ain't going to tell on Cassian. When I um, think I think he actually drops the gun before he says that, though. Uh, yeah, I, I do, too. He, yeah, yeah but, he goes, he does it, and then he immediately goes, I think he calls him by name first. Yeah, he goes, yeah. Tenet, Cassian, and then he pulls the gun away and starts asking him. I think he says, I'm sorry about your mom, like, as he's leaving. He um, does. <clears throat> which is a really big deal. That, when and I guess Brasso probably told him which people were still in the hotel that he could that he knew was giving them information, and yeah. Tenek was probably one of them. Um, yeah, you know, but for for Cassian to have that level of trust right now, you know, I could easily see Cassian walking through the hotel shooting any and everybody. Everybody, yeah, he, he um, doesn't. And leave the fact that he sense. doesn't, yeah, is a is a growth of his character as well. I think. Yep. So. Also, yeah, they uh, now we get to we get to find out what the precious cargo that uh, B two has been carrying because there were several references to you know Brasso told him you've got a really important job why they wouldn't leave him unattended and it's because he's got this message which again is very kind of new hopeish with R two D two and Princess Leia's message um, B two has been carrying around this message that once it's released is clearly you know treasonous um, against the Empire so. And I just love this the way they the so B two starts to project you know the image of Marvin. It's it's much larger than life. It, it has a, kind of a a forced ghost kind of feel to it, but you know it's just one of their typical holograms. It's so cool. Yeah. And then we get the speech that that Tim heard was so good before he ever saw the episode. Yeah, I did. Um, and the whole speech was beautiful, and I I love that. So much of it was was personal. It was yeah. for the people on the planet. It was for the first two thirds, three quarters of the speech. It was the speech she would have wanted to leave the people that she loved, regardless of whether the empire was there or not. Yeah, you know, she very much gave that. 
she it was set up so that she was giving her final goodbyes the empire was like yeah no big deal she's just talking about you know life on this planet and what everybody's doing um and you know it's one of those things where you could have easily seen the empire jumping in early and being like "No, no, no, no no we're not listening to a thing um but at the beginning of it it was just like you know, I was six when I first took pl- part in one of these things, and I'm so glad yep. to be a part of it now, and that you're here to say goodbye to me or whatever, and and like all of these pieces that she's saying um, before she leads into the real reason she's giving the speech. Yeah, and again, it just speaks really well to like this is how world building is done perfectly. Because we see the people of Ferrex with their unique traditions and with their unique ideas. We even, during that part of the speech, they even cut to the this image of uh, of uh, Pokemon. Yeah. No, did you notice Did you notice a little bit of regret in his eyes, too? Yeah. As he hears Marva speaking about what it means to be a person of Ferrex, yeah. He clearly is like, oh, man. Jim, yeah. did you see, did you, did you talk about this? I was gone because I had a explosive incident here outstanding yeah did you, did you talk okay. about Grendon? i did i mentioned that there was oh, a Grendon in there i i saw him and i i wanted to make sure you you saw him. heck yeah i because, did i did mention it oh look yeah, at us that's like a species so i don't know if that was actually him but. now Grendon's a name yeah i don't know what the species is called yeah. um but awesome. then she transitions the speech with the line but now i'm dead Mm-hmm. Yeah. Marva does, and I want to lift you up. Um, hey, in other words, she's saying I want you to climb. Yep, climb because that's that's what people always say in Andor related things. Yeah, so yeah, Andor's about to break Bix out. The speech continues on. She mm-hmm. uh, she accuses the people of sleeping. Yeah, yeah, yeah. everybody yeah. slept. Uh, yeah, and yeah. the empire thrives in the darkness, and when we sleep, she, she talks about being left alone, which is another thing that Andor had hit on. You can definitely see Marva's impact on him, um, because remember that was what he kept saying to Skeen and Nemec: "Is you think they care about us? You think they they notice us? They don't even know we exist." And again, when he said to Kino Lloyd, "They're nobody's listening." Um, that's apparently Marva's feeling on it is that like these people who are in power, they ignore us while we sleep. So now it's time, it's time to wake up guys. Yeah. And I, I, uh, yeah, they, the, just the way they focus on each person's face in the crowd is so good. When she said that, she said, they forget about us. They come in, they essentially, they come in, they collect their taxes and their materials, right? They come in, they collect their taxes and they leave. And they just leave us alone. And we let them because, okay, we have to pay the Empire some taxes, but they don't bother us anymore, so we let them go. Um, but they're not anymore. It, when she yeah. refers to it, not even, she says it, right? It is here to stay. Yeah. Well, she says it's a darkness. It's a rust reaching out from the center of the galaxy. And they, when she says it's a darkness reaching out from the center of the galaxy, the camera focuses on Luthen. And mm-hmm. that was awesome because his face is like now he's kind of having that uh, am I wrong kind of look, which, of course, at the end of this episode, we know he's going to revisit some of his ideas. Yeah, um, that. yeah that I love the Luthan part of this. Yes. So, yeah, the 
And it's at this point you see the Imperial, you know, these guys are getting more and more weight. Well, where is this going? And then she straight up says the Empire is a disease. And that's once, you know, now it's, you know. This speech is clearly treasonous. Dun, dun, dun. So what is the Empire going to do? How are they going to react? Yeah. He's going to half throw a coat over top of B2. Um, but but when it doesn't fully go over it, he's not yes. going to correct it, even though he's standing right there. Well, and that's a cinematographic cinematography thing too, because and, you notice she's half in dark, half in light now. Yeah, when he does well, that. And also, um, and I don't know if you guys know this or not, um, but holograms don't make sound. No. So blocking her wouldn't have stopped the speech. And the line that finally, yeah, true. The line that finally gets the Imperial officer to move is when she said, um, I'd fight these bastards. Yeah. And that's when he actually moves. And then she, she says it again, I'd fight them. And the yeah. guy just, he, yeah, then he puts his coat over it, yells enough, and then he throws B2 over. And that's that's going to be too much, man. That was when he it. throws B2 over, then Brasso starts going to town and hits a dude in the face with the brick, with the Marva brick. That was so awesome. This was the, and I want to talk about the line real quick, because I think the line was huge, because that's what she said. She goes, if I could do it all over again, I would wake up every day and fight them every yeah. day. Um, and then she uses that line. And the beginning of the episode, I noticed it right away. Because now on, on Disney Plus and on a lot of the streaming services, when you start TV shows, um, Netflix is different. Netflix, when you do the um, like the ratings that come up, like why things are rated the way they're rated, it'll yeah. be why the entire season is rated the way it's rated. Where I think on Disney, it's each episode. Well, um, so like Netflix will say, you know, violence and language and whatever, but it'll be it could be things that happen anywhere in these, you know, 8, 10, 12 episodes. Where in Disney Plus, it's episode by episode. So this one said um, violence and strong coarse language. That's because she called them bastards. Yeah. So, so I thought Papa that was really Bear interesting. Us, in... Oh, he did? Yeah. Why? He had to go. He couldn't stick around. That's not what Three he said. Days, he said. Four days was just too much for him. He said 12. Well, we're still right. recording. What? We're recording? Yeah. I'm Tim. I'm Jim. Yeah. So, yeah, as the fight goes on, I just want to let you know, Pop, let the audience know. Yeah, too, Pop, cut out. Um, but, yeah, so as the fighting intensifies, um, yeah, the Imperials are losing control. That's actually the moment when Andor gets into Bix's cell. He kills a guard, and, again, it's that typical Andor, like, no hesitation. When someone needs to be taken out, he takes him out. Um, yeah. yeah, we see the Grendon character get, get taken down by a stun rod and we see, uh, Zan go down and Zan ends up getting killed, which was a pretty, pretty tough loss here. That was a big deal. Um, um yeah. and it shows that there's going to be some loss and some of the loss is important. Like, I think that was, that was an important, like we need to, this is, this is Rogue One style. This is Andor. This is not, you know, the everybody makes it story. Um, but some of our big people need to still make it. So who who's not going to make it? Um, yeah. And I think that was part of that decision making there. But the and you already mentioned it. But I love I love that Marva is part of this fight. Yeah. Like 
yeah, for a while. Get smacked in the face. The bell keeps clanging, so the uh, imperial guy tells you know one of the stormtroopers he says go go make him stop, which is All awesome. Right. Which so this is the part later. that I this is this is the one issue that I had with the episode. Oh. Um, he tells that stormtrooper go take care of that right. So the whole oh. time they're getting ready for all this stuff. The fighting started. The the tank thing that's sitting in the background isn't doing anything yet. Yeah. Right? They haven't started opening fire like this yet. They're they're trying to beat them down. Um and to me and and maybe this is just a, a different I don't know what they were doing. Because they didn't open fire for a while. No. Um but if they if they had stepped aside for just a second and had that guy open Can't. fire on the bell tower. Can't uh yeah. I mean that would have been a, a huge like crushing blow to the to the people of Ferrix. Well, instead of sending that one, hey stormtrooper, you you go take care of that. Uh, so that was all. Like it was just one of those, and it wasn't even a problem for me. It was just I'm like I don't know why they're not using this thing that they have. Couple things about that. Uh, I also found it weird that they just they sent just one guy to do it, but I do understand why they would try to do it a little more surreptitiously, not just blow up the tower. Because I think the Empire is trying not to escalate this because the ranking person on the ground is Deidre, and she said very clearly, "I want these people alive." Um, she doesn't want indiscriminate killing because she she wants to capture Andor, and if they just fire, you know. That's a start good call. Firing into the crowd and stuff like that, then because that that's what I was, I was wondering why they took so long to start firing. Well, you, that makes... the event that causes it. So they try crowd control first with the shields, and they're like I said, they're, they're using stun rods, um, and then the kid gets his revenge. Yeah, and he, he throws the bomb, and when he throws the bomb, that's you know, boosh. So it blows up that car. It messes up the hotel. A lot of things happen. Um, Deidre, who up until now has been always very self-possessed, under control, you know, she, she's she got her two death troopers with her. This is where she gets knocked down, because not only does it blow up the car, but it sets off a whole box full of grenades. Yeah. So this, what should have been a moderate explosion, turns into a gigantic explosion. And the whole town is rocked. You see Luthen, you know, like, he, he's he's been rocked. Cyril and the sergeant have been right. It's it's just awesome. Everybody's well, the, kind of stunned at first. The realism of Deidre from here until the end of someone oh, who is so very good. smart, very dedicated to the cause, but has not seen battle. Yeah. The the way that they they pushed her character through this was was amazing. She did a great job of being like of being terrified. Yes. Because she didn't know what it was really like. And now she does, you know. Yeah. Um, she. So we'll one, get to that though. Yeah. One before that though, like so as we see like chaos unfold and the smoke, and now the Imperials are taking the gloves off and they're they're starting to actually shoot at people. Um, we do. We see Vel when she hears the explosion. She runs like you see people trying to get away from it, and she's running straight into the smoke. And the smoke is so thick you can't see it. And again, the imagery there is her running into this unknown future. They uh-huh. they keep doing this with Vel, and I I love it. Um, yeah. There is this Which the is assumption the one... there is that she's running for Cinta. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And th- this is the one moment of the show that bothered me though, because they show this as the skirmish breaks out. Brasso grabs a stormtrooper and headbutts him. I love that. <laughs> I'm like, what? No, no, that's not. 
That's not how that works. You don't headbutt a dude in a helmet. That, that did bother me. That's but. Brasso. I liked it. Yeah. Like, I don't know why, but he did it. I've seen it three times, and I was just like, yeah, go Brasso. Yeah. But you know, he grabs the the kid who had made the bomb. He grabs him and drags him out. Um, so that's kind of the important thing there. But we see a lot of innocent people being killed you know, by stormtroopers, and we see the crowd you know, taking on these guys. Um, this actually is the moment where, uh, where Zan gets killed. Yeah, and then it jumps the back to, of a stormtrooper. And B two still on his side, and he sees yeah. it, and then he whimpers about you know Zan dying, which is yeah, man. B two is is a great actor too. <laughs> um, sent, meanwhile, while all this is going down, Senta follows the Imperial spy who she'd been tracking for days, and uh, they have a little discussion. Senta's <laughs> so awesome in her crazy way. Um, this guy tries to just physically dominate her because he, you know, he's a good six inches taller than her and he's a bigger than her and she just straight up just jibs the guy to death. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, it was, it was brutal and it was awesome. Yeah. Because he's the only guy that could potentially identify Sinta as a possible uh, spy. So that was, that was pretty smart. But then we see, um... What's his name? Pagla? Is he the guy who drags B two out? Yeah, I didn't even notice that the first time um, that he was dragging B, and I thought that was that was awesome too. Yeah, and we see a death trooper get killed. Um, so now Andor was trying to make his way out of the hotel slash prison, and a death trooper comes in, and Andor does a flying leap shot and takes down a death trooper. Yeah, it was sweet. And when he lands, though, he sees uh. The guy whose name Nietzsche guy Nurchi is laying there dead from the explosion. So that was that was that was sad. I felt bad for Nurchi at the end because it seemed like he he could have had a redemption arc going, um, but it was too late for him. I mean, he chose his side, I guess. But yeah, the brutality of the Empire is on full display now, and this goes back to the running theme that the more they tighten their grip, the more you know will slip to their fingers. And it's at this point, Deidre pulls her pistol, gets off a couple shots, gets hit in the head by a, yep. a stone. And yeah, she's, and she's wrestling around. And meanwhile, Anvil Dude is just going at it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Andor has Bix now, and he's getting her away from all this. And the stormtrooper, you know, then they cut back to Anvil Dude, and what does he do to the stormtrooper sent to, to get him? This is Ferrix! That's right. <laughs> he Sparta kicks him off the tower. He Sparta kicks him. <laughs> yeah, that was sweet. And he does, and the timing's perfect, because the commanding officer who sent the uh, trooper up there looks up just in time to see the trooper fly out of the tower. <laughs> so, And he's nice. like, oh, we are not winning this battle. No, we're in trouble. And Deidre's in genuine trouble. They show her. She's she's on the ground. The the locals have gotten their hands on her. And it looks like they're going to tear it apart. She, you know, her blaster's gone. Um, but then it gets picked up. Mm-hmm. This, is a, this is another full circle moment. Because you know who doesn't have a blaster of his own? Yeah, Cyril lost his. Yeah. But he and so it comes up, all the way back to this last episode, and he picks up a new one. And did you notice the type of blaster Deidre had? It's a DL-40 
whatever, the same thing that Han Solo carries. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, so she doesn't realize it's Cyril, but Cyril grabs her blaster, grabs her from behind, and then forces her into, like, the secluded alleyway. And, yeah, Deidre's freaking out. And again, the acting here is amazing. She realizes that not only is Cyril not, you know, hurting her, she realizes it's Cyril, and that he's protecting her, and you see, like, the first real crack in her emotional armor here. Yeah. Um, and again, the acting is superb because this woman's been just this fierce, you know, super efficient, terrifying person. And now she's just scared. And I, I love that she can't even process this because the way she says thank you is I should say thank you. I should say thank you. <laughs> and yeah, and she, and she I, can't. So like the the physical closeness of these two. Yeah. Um, is going to lead a lot of people, I think, back into a conversation of, you know, expecting something between the two of them. Um, yeah. I still don't. I think that I, this is intentional for them to – I think that they're trying to be like, you know, there's a there's a closeness with them, but it's not a romantic relationship still. Um, yeah. He's, and, he's there protecting her as part of the closeness right now. Um, and And she has obviously that – that need to be to have been saved from what she just went through. Um, So I I think that, you know, I still, I feel like it's one of those things where you're like, we don't quite know what's going on with them. And I think they're designing this to be like, no, you don't know what's going on with them yet, but you'll see. And neither do they, Um, which is cool. You know, like a platonic non-romantic relationship would, but like strong relationship would would also be really cool. Like one of the things that Marvel did that I, I was always like I always thought it was super cool was the relationship between Hawkeye and Black Widow. Yes, that it was non romantic, but it was as powerful a bond as two people can have. At um, any point, if they had started a relationship, his marriage ended and all this stuff, nobody yeah. would have been like, "Oh, that sucks." They'd have been like, "Oh, good for them." Right, because they were so close, but they never yeah. had that romantic and piece. Like I it love wasn't that, there. Yeah, yes. I love that they showed that a man and a woman can have this relationship. Um, they can, they can, you know, be, you know, friends like this without it having to be romantic. Um, that they're more like brother and sister, and maybe that's how Cyril and 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 Deidre will turn out. I don't know, but I, yeah, it doesn't have to be romantic for it to be powerful. Um, and Marvel did it best, like I said, with Hawkeye and Black Widow. I, I love the relationship that those two had. Um, but yeah, maybe they'll have something like that. Only well, and I don't know who you were talking about, but it could be at this point that the showrunners don't know what relationship they're going to have, and they're still that's you know, true. They're still fanning that out, so they like they built this so they can do whatever they want. Um, yeah. But in this case, I'm not assuming that there's anything romantic, nor will there be. Um, do I think? But that's. So That's when we get to for, the final yeah. episode of uh, of Andor, you know, hopefully it'll have a hundred seasons. But when we get to the final episode of the last season, meaning they're getting ready to head to uh, to Scarif, and it's the end. Um, I hope the last scene we see of Deidre is her being promoted to being Tarkin's one of Tarkin's assistants and being assigned to the Death Star, and that's the last yeah. time we see her, and then we know. That would be poetic. All right. Now we're back to, um, they show Luthen, you know, kind of 
emotionally and, and mentally processing what he's just seen on Ferrix. Um, and then we go back to Senta and Vel. And Vel's worried about Senta. They're packing up because they got to get out of here. Everything's, you know, gone crazy. And, uh, yeah, Vel's still concerned. I, I see blood on you. And now Vel is being framed with a lot of forward space. She's looking ahead. So they, they've switched it up all of a sudden. But uh, Senta's like, it's not my blood. Which is, of course, you know, a super BA thing to say. And we switch to the ship in the junkyard. Pelga's got ready for him. The, the ship that started this whole series off. And they, they got the kid on there. And Brasso's helping uh, Pelga you know, get it fixed up. They've got the lady whose name is Jazz or something like that. Who was the head of the Daughters of Ferrix. She's on the ship. Um, so that's all the people that are on there at this point. But we know uh, Bix is coming with Andor. This this was all cool. I love this ship, too, by the way. I love the fact that it has the Y-Wing engines, but it has a different cockpit. It's just a... It's a it's a cool ship. Oh. So, yeah, we're, we're at the ship, and Bix and, and Cassian come up. Brasso helps Bix on board, but, of course, here comes the big question. So there was a big thing here, though. What's that? And maybe, maybe this is the part you said. Um... I like B2's reaction here. Because everybody's like, someone's coming, but the droid knew first. Oh, yeah. Cassian. Yeah, he did. Um, Jez is the name of the woman that's with him, who's the head of the Daughters of Ferrix. Um, And, of course, Cassian's telling him, hey, I'll need to go to this place, you need to go to this place. And B2 is the first to realize, Cassian, you're not coming. And it's this really emotional thing, and uh, and Cassian, as always with uh, B two, to get him to kind of calm down and be okay, gives him a job. Yeah, it's like, you have to you. look out for Bix. Um, just the way the last time we saw him, you got to take care of Marva. Um, it's it's wild, and I love Bix's. You see her again, starting to come around, um, and she just simply states, as a matter of fact, Cassian will find us. Yeah. And that's yep. see, and that's that line, that without building up to her, that yeah. line would have. I, I don't think that line would have worked. Yeah, it would have seemed very abrupt. Yeah, I agree. They they um, they did a fantastic job. Yeah, and even that's, then, that's probably my favorite part of this episode is is the way they got her out. Like she's not fixed, but yeah, she's she, still her her as a person is still there. Yeah. <clears throat> I, I do love the design of that ship, though. Those Y-wing motors and stuff. So yeah. that ends us on Ferrix. Unless you got something else you want to say about that. I mean, it ends us for now on Ferrix. Now we go to Coruscant. Um, did they? They took off right here, right? Yeah, and you get I think Brasso's cool scared of, of flying. Yeah, I got that impression too. He's just hugging the back of the of the wall. Yeah. Um, it might be his first time off planet. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, that's, and that's what I was wondering if that was a little like. You know, we won't we won't call to it yet, but let's just let's just do this. Or that there was just no seating for him. I don't know, you know, like I don't know. Well, but it was it was interesting that he uh the way that he did that. Yeah. You know, the way that he kinda like the way he was the way he was tucked back there seemed like he was trying to keep as low as he could and holding on is the way that yep. I I read that seating. 
So we've got uh we've got rebels now. We've got uh the kid whose name I can't remember who built the bomb, he's Ezra. We've got Brasso, he's Zeb. We've got um yeah, the the Chopper. Jez, she's kind of Hera. Yeah, B two is Chopper. Although Jez isn't a pilot, but she is kind of the, the lady who's there to to give leadership. Mm-hmm. Yeah, anyway. Sabine. Fix is Sabine. Very broken. We've got, I mean, now in reality, we do have a. Uh, I mean, th- that group of people flying off right there potentially mm-hmm. could be a small rebel cell on their own. Like there could be offshoots from this. Well, that's exactly what they're going to be. And we got Pegla. He doesn't fit in, but okay. Yeah, that's Did exactly what I think they're going to be. Uh, yeah, he went with them. He was piloting, I think. I thought Jess was piloting. I thought Pegla stayed. Okay. I'm going to back up and look. Yeah, Pegla goes with him. Okay, we're good. I don't think he did. Eh, maybe I'm wrong. That's fine. I may have just... They don't do a roll call, so... Alright, so now we're back on Coruscant, and we're back in Mon Mothma's apartment, and we see that a very important decision has been made. I mean, the girl's... How old was she? Fourteen or getting ready 13. to turn fourteen? Yeah, yeah. So I mean, obviously, time to get married. Weird. Um, yeah. So we see. Uh, um, I forgot the daughter's name. I'm really good with names. Lita. Lita. Uh, because it's supposed to be like Leia, because Leia's going to be the the daughter Mon Mothma wanted. Yeah, Mon Mothma and Perrin are introducing their daughter to uh, Davos and his son. And the daughter's all done up with her with her braids, like we, we've seen as part of the Chandrillan customs. Um, and the implication is very heavy here that, you know, sh- that this is a matrimonial kind of matching going on. No, no words are exchanged at all in this scene. Nope. And then we're and back then... on Ferrix. All right, and I want to. I'm going to do this before you can, because I want to point out something that Jim usually points out, but I noticed me. it this time. Tell it to me. There's a very, very big difference between the way Luthen is traveling back to his ship than the way he traveled away from his ship. Well, are we there yet? Yeah, it's immediately Luthen. Well, no, it's Sergeant Mosk laying in an alley, drinking from a flask. Oh, I thought that was what? just a cool little add-on. The Mosk has been left behind, he's been forgotten by Cyril, and he's just sitting in an alley drinking from a flask. And then we I get Luthen. That. Okay, then yeah, we get Luthen. It's, it's one of those many, like, two or three second cutaways that they do. To give you, yeah, these characters are not just gone. They're not, you know, forgotten yeah. pieces. Everybody matters. Um, yeah. I liked it. And now so, we see Luthen flying across the landscape. We do, and we actually get to see Luthen flying across the landscape. Not a um, hooded dark figure, but he's got the hood off for this ride. Yeah, he's revealed. Um, and I, I think that that is, I, th- I think that's a one of your like dark versus light. Like this is him after Marva's speech and after seeing all of these yeah. people of Ferrix stand up against the Empire. I think this is him going, wow, it's, you know... There's, yeah, there's I, more. I'm. I. I think he's better, right? I think it's part of what's going on. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm. I'm just repeating what you're saying. But yeah, Marva has shown him that you can resist and still hold on to the light. 
yeah. I think is is what he's got going on in his head. And then to really bring that that crisis to a to a head, he gets on his ship that now everybody is saying is the greatest ship in all of Star Wars, and it might very well be, um, the Fondor. Um, and Andor's on the Fondor. I don't know why the ship wouldn't listen to him though. I, don't know. That, I wonder what Andor did to it that the ship wouldn't listen to him. Like, that seemed a little odd. Yeah. The ship didn't uh, seem responsive. Um, I, get I don't know what Andor's skill set is when it comes to stuff like that, but somehow he got into a ship that was undoubtedly locked and then locked the owner out of the controls. So Andor must have some skills that we haven't really seen much yet. But yeah. uh, Andor points out, okay, you're here to kill me, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, this was a little bit of a weird interaction. Easy. What's that? Oh yeah. <laughs> I, I love that line. Yeah. I love that line because he he did answer his question, but he didn't quite answer the question. Um you know, you don't make it easy to kill you. And that's technically I didn't say yes, but but yeah, I am. Um this part by Andor I thought was a little – and maybe you'll have some insight on it um, that I missed. But the the go ahead and kill me, go ahead and kill me, kill me then um, I thought was a little bit too much because without the speech, <laughs> without, without going through the transformation that we saw Luthen go through, Luthen could have been like, okay, and then that would have been – well, I think this Cassie. is a direct callback to the first time Andor was on that ship, the Fondor. Um, is Andor is putting up this fake front of, well, you know, I spent this much time in this battle and Mimbin and and then Luthen reveals, no, you you were there for you know, a couple months and you were a cook. Um, like, you know, so the first time he's on the ship, Andor's putting up his front. He's a loner. He's not attached to anything. He's, he's very much set on that, you know. And now we've seen this huge transition. Now Andor is, is, you know, we know that he's now more and more committed to the idea of rebellion. He, he wants to make, you know, the memory of Marva, you know, proud. Um, and so when he leaves his, his pistol out for, for Luthen to grab, I think he's correctly got, he's finally figured Luthen out, I think is what's actually happened. Um, he's like, I know you're here to kill me, but the last time we met, you also talked about not getting rid of resources that were valuable. Yeah. And I think Andor has correctly said, has correctly gauged rather, I, you see me as a useful resource. Um, because you came here the very first time we met, you came here because you thought I was a useful resource. And now I've done a lot more since then. So, yeah. And, oh yeah, and, and I agree because he he yeah. and then he says it or take me in right and take me in yeah. wasn't adopt me it was you know I will officially become part of this rebellion, um and I like the line I like that that take me in, so yeah I, and I think all of that is is very like this needed to be Luthen's decision he needed to be like look I'm dedicated to the cause here's my proof you can kill me or you can take me in, um I guess the part that got me was like how many times yeah, and how much space there was a long time it's like, yeah kill like, me kill me kill me like, kill me um, or take me in right but that or, was a lot okay. of time for luthan to be like all right i'll kill you you know like okay. <laughs> um that that was all i think it was the the amount of time between him saying or take me in i'm ready um 
Well, so I, I think was, that was the one thing that, that got me a little bit. I think it was also meant to show to Luthen that Andor was straight up saying, I will die for this. I will die for this. Whether it means right now at your hands or later on, I'm ready. I'm I'm at that point. Before I was a guy just trying to run away. Now I will die for this. It's not about money. It's not about any of that. Yeah. So I think that's that was the importance of him saying, kill me, and then waiting to see what Luthen would do. If he's going to throw away an asset or... But it, no matter what, it communicates to Luthen that Andor's all in now. Um, that this is, yeah, this is this is not a mercenary thing anymore. And that's the last scene, right? That that ends the episode. Because this isn't Marvel. There are no, there are no end scenes. Oh, but there is. Oh, but there, there is. There is an after credit scene, which uh, I said when we first started this podcast a week ago, that I didn't know about until Tim was like, hey, what do you think about the after credit scene? I was like, uh, then I watched it and I was like, oh, that's see, yeah. <laughs> um, and of course the after credit scene is the, it's, it's really beautifully like shot. It's, uh, those droids in space and they're putting together something. You can't tell at first, but you can see they're using the components that Andor and the prisoners, you know, had built. And as they slowly pan back, it's the dish for the laser for the Death Star. That, that, yeah. this is some beautiful CGI. Um, yeah, it's just, it's really cool looking how they showed the construction of the, of the laser for the Death Star. Um, dun, dun, dun. And that actually ends season one of Andor. We did it. After four days of podcasting, we did it. So speculations. What else we got to say? What else we want to talk about? Um... So, when it Next comes to season, season two, I'm yeah. really curious to know what they're going to do with Andor. Like, I feel like Andor's going to be... Andor's got stuff to do with the Rebellion now, but it's going to be... I, I feel like it's going to be a Rebellion story more than an Andor story. Um, um, yes. Do you know what I mean? Uh, yeah, I do. Um, and honestly, half of this season has been that too, with Mon Mothma and Luthen. Yeah, um, I mean, they've done a lot of it rebellion. here. But there's been very much an Andor, you know, character build where I think his character is going to be more complete, and he'll well, be his... taking part in developing the Empire with or the the Rebellion with them. Um, and I think it's going to be a Rebellion, which I want. I like the the idea of Rebellion story. So yeah. this isn't like like in Book of Boba Fett when they took off and did the two episodes of Mandalorian, um, which were beautiful episodes, but they didn't belong in the season. Yeah. Um, I, I don't feel the same way about this. I feel like if this is in, you know, this is Andor season two, you know, birth of the rebellion or whatever, like. Well, I think how they're going to keep it focused is we still have the question of his sister hanging out there. We still have Bix and Brasso out there. Um, so these are definitely very, you know, powerful emotional um, connections for the character of Andor. So they can do a lot with that. Um, we're going to have to get the big reveal next season that, you know, Luthen was a Jedi. <laughs> well, I actually think that Lu- Luthen reminds me of Dooku so much, um, because there was a lot of stuff Dooku said that made sense about the corruption of the, the Senate, uh, the, you know, the, the failure of the Republic to, to protect the interest of some of the Outer Rim planets and stuff like that. Like, Dooku was a bad guy, but he was... He was doing a masterful job of arguing, you know, from a moral high ground a lot of times. 
Um, yeah. Luthen is doing the exact same thing. As a matter of fact, Luthen's discussion of the of like dark and you know giving up kindness and stuff, it reminds me of like Qui Gon turned bad. Like if Qui Gon had fallen, um, or Dooku when he did fall. But anyway, so I don't think we're going to find out Luthen was a student of Dooku's or a contemporary of Dooku's. Yeah. Yeah, that's my prediction. What do you think about that prediction? That's a good prediction. Interesting. All right, anything else about Andor? Because i got one non-Andor question to ask you before we wrap it up. I've got one for you, too. And I wanted to ask it when Papa Bear was here, but... Yeah, we'll me too. But that guy... No, nothing else about Andor for me. What you got? All right. Uh, did I did not watch it, but did you watch the uh, Guardian of the Galaxy's holiday special? I'm going to answer your question with a question of my own. Hey, I watched the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special. Did you? Because <laughs> that's what I was no. going to ask, too. Um, no. I did. It's only 45 minutes. Um, was it good? It's 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 good. You have to go in knowing what it is, right? It's a holiday special. Holiday specials are are goofy Cheesy. fun with the characters we love. Yeah. Cheesy, yeah. Um, so go into it that way. Don't go into it going, you know, I'm going to learn about the Marvel Universe. Because um, yeah. it's, it's not what they are. So, I, I guess this is a big thing in the uh, in the UK. I mean, I don't know. I, I'm basing this kind of on a couple of like BBC shows that I've watched, um, where they'll do these Christmas specials each year. Oh, and I, I feel like like we have episodes put into our shows when they when they naturally are released around Christmas time. Um, but it seems like they do them there where they're they could be taken out of the story or they could be left into the story, you know, like they're, yeah, they're hit or they're miss. So I feel like that's kind of what they're starting to do now more with, with some of these. Um, okay. But I think this cool. one, I think the, the characters in this are there intentionally because we have another Guardians movie coming out next year. Well, my TV buddy, my, my youngest daughter, um, or at least my Star Wars slash Marvel buddy, because I also watch, I watch horror movies with my oldest. I watch like, Star Wars and Marvel with my youngest. But she's old enough now that she works. So we haven't had a chance to sit down and uh, watch the Guardians uh, special. I don't think she even knows about it yet. i got to tell her. Maybe I'll get her to watch it with me tonight. Yeah. Like I said, it's yeah. short. It's only 45 minutes. Um, it's it's 45 minutes listed one time. So that's including credits and stuff. So Yeah. Well, right on. Well, that's all I got. This is going to make for a long and somewhat delayed podcast, but uh, hey, it's, it's, it was yeah. an amazing series. I'm just Thanks sad we waiting. can wait two years for the next season. Oh, I read that somewhere. I hope that number's wrong. Anyway. All right. I guess that's it, right? I think that's it. Well, I'm Jim. And I'm Tim. And this has been our, our certain, certain point of view. Of view. Uh, this is the way we have spoken. She Remember, loves you enough to with you. oversee any wrong. And, um, yeah, Cyril rules. Bye, everyone. Goodbye. Audio 1. <laughs>